When the gent says, we perambulate here almost every night. <laughs> that to me sounds like a pickup line. Right. Hello. Hello. I perambulate here every night. If you catch my drift. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Steam Powered Movies. I am one of your hosts. My name is Mike. And I am your other host. My name is Dana, steampunk uh, author and various creator of many things. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for being here. And thank you for anyone listening. Uh, I live here. You live here? I do. Oh, I live here too. Cool. That's amazing. <laughs> For those of you that don't live here, welcome to uh, Steam Powered Movies. This is a podcast where we watch steampunk movies and then we talk about them. And so this time we watched the 2002 film The Time Machine. The Time Machine! Uh, based on the H.G. Wells novel, directed by Simon Wells and starring Guy Pierce. Simon Wells directed the book The Time Machine? No, he directed the movie, silly. <laughs> <laughs> syntax matters hashtag <laughs> sometimes it does and sometimes we watch a movie about time travel a thing that i like i enjoy time travel movies so we watched the time machine because it's kind of steampunk mm -hmm. yeah i would definitely say so yeah we're gonna talk about why it's a steampunk movie mm -hmm. we'll talk about some of our favorite and least favorite things and then at the end we're gonna give some special ratings we do our own kind of ratings that's at the end so stick around for that so also spoilers yes spoilers for both the film and the book because i just read the book today it was like four hours on audio so oh, it was pretty that's short. right yeah so you have now read slash listened to the book and read. seen we're the gonna, movie we're gonna use the verbiage read because we're we're gonna be accessible sure you 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 read the book and now you watched the movie I'm very curious to get your thoughts and takes on the differences and... Spoiler alert. It's all different. Really? Everything. Wow. Okay. So coming into this, I had seen this movie once before. Mm -hmm. I didn't remember a whole lot. I remembered that he built a time machine and we he went to several different times, including really far in the future. Um... I my most recent reference is probably the Futurama episode that riffs on this. I don't remember that episode. I remember seeing this film. I I watched it in high school and felt similarly similarly to how I kind of felt about it today. Yeah. Kind of okay. That was a thing. Right. Yeah. I don't remember the Futurama episode though. I would we should go back and watch that. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. That'll be a bonus episode, maybe. Right. <laughs> no promises on bonus episodes. <laughs> All bonus episodes are theoretical until proven otherwise. <laughs> um, so expectations coming in, overall thoughts. I mean, like I said, I watched this in high school, so I remembered, I remembered pieces. Uh, again, spoilers, y'all. So if you don't want the movie to be spoiled, it's about to be. Uh, first of all, I remember that like the love of his life died, and that he kept trying to go back and like. Stop it from happening. Mm -hmm. um, I actually forgot that. Oh, really? Yeah, I just I guess I just didn't think about it. It's been a while since I've seen this movie. Yeah. Um, but I remembered the Morlocks. I remembered like 
the and this is literally how he's credited in the film the uber morlock Ooh, jeremy irons yeah jeremy irons ghost jeremy irons pretty much yeah. in my notes he's, he's kind of a ghost kind of a telepath kind of a morlock they're they're a little squiffy on those uh those details but we'll get to that well he was bred to have extra uh mental powers and capabilities yeah you see so, his, yeah. his brain basically extended down his spine Oh, is that what it was? That's what that was. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Big old brain. I just thought it was like a, a big gnarly uh, spine, but uh, no, that no. makes sense. Part of his brain. Like extended brainstem. Okay. Is that explained more in the book? Is that like expounded upon? Oh, no. Again, nothing is in the book that's in this film just about. Really? Oh, my gosh. It's so different. Wow. I'm... It's almost completely different with like a few exceptions. Okay. So... Let, let's just get this out of the way first. Like, what is different in the book? Because I, uh, I guess I'll briefly say the plot of the movie. Okay. Right? He has this girl, love of his life. He proposes. She gets killed. Uh, and the mugger is like, why did you do that? When he was the one that brought the gun. Uh, yeah, that was weird. It's like, mate, you're the one who, who has the gun. Okay, cool. Some real victim blaming going on Yeah, there. really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, she dies, and then... We got a four years later, he's invented a time machine and it works already. Mm -hmm. And he just travels back, tries to save her once, and she just dies a different way. She gets run over by a horse-drawn carriage. At least he didn't make her die a bunch of times. Because for some reason in my head, that's what I remember. Where like, she dies like three or four times. I'm probably conflating this with something else I've seen yeah. in various ways. Yeah, it, he learned the lesson pretty quickly. He's like, oh, wait, I guess this isn't going to work. Yeah. So he. I think I'm conflating this with that, like, what if the Doctor Strange Marvel thing? Oh, where, okay. like, Rachel McAdams dies in every way possible. <laughs> nope, this isn't that. Uh, but we, we, it's implied that it would happen if he kept going back. Right. It would exactly. keep happening. Yeah. Um, and so he decides that he needs to find out why. Like, maybe in the future, people understand time travel better and they can tell him how he can actually change stuff. Mm -hmm. So he goes forward to 2030 i thought it was 2039 no it's 2030 is the first time he goes forward oh okay and he goes to the future library and the library ai uh, who i love by the way great yeah great character uh tells him that he's a moron because he because he thinks time travel is real and guy pierce is like no really i i kind of know about this uh AI doesn't take him seriously, so Guy Pierce is like, I gotta go further in the future. And then he goes to 2037. Okay, 37. And then it's the apocalypse because they blew up the moon because they were trying to make uh, apartments there, basically. Yeah. And... Uh, the lunar leisure living. Yeah, which he saw the ad for in 2030. Uh-huh. Uh, so the moon is blowed up. And then it's kind of crazy. He gets back in his time machine, but... He's kind of jostled around and he like lands on the controls and he's knocked out and he ends up in the year 802701. Yeah, 800,000 years in the future. Yep. And he meets these more primitive cliff people and... The Alloy. The Alloy. Yeah. Thank you for remembering things. You're welcome. And then basically the rest of the movie is there mm -hmm. and he learns about the two races, the above ground race. This is basically regular humans and then the underground race which is jeremy irons especially the morlocks bred to be hunters 
and brain control, well, mind control people. Well, he said they people. divided themselves into castes. Right. And each caste has a job. So, like, some are the muscle, some are the eyes and ears, and then he's sort of part of the caste that is, like, the brain, and they have now, like, telekinetic abilities. Yeah, and so, yeah, the underground people treat the above-ground people, Relax. the normal humans, as food, basically. Oh, yeah, they eat them. They straight eat them. Yeah, you, you, you see it, you know, Soylent Green is people in mm-hmm. this movie, for real. Uh, not like in Snowpiercer, where it's kind of a fake out. It's not bugs, it's actually people this time. Yeah. And so Guy Pierce is like, well, this sucks. And he somehow makes his time machine explode, time power There's like a everywhere. temporal wave of energy that like wipes everybody out, or at least all the baddies. Yeah, well, there's this little struggle he has with Jeremy Irons, and he makes the time machine go forward while the the head Morlock guy is hanging outside of the bubble, and he ages super fast. It's and, very um, what is it, Indiana Jones? Um, yeah, the Holy Grail. Yeah, Church yeah, the, the Last Grail. Crusade. Yeah. So basically, that's the setup. Then he goes back and grabs the girl that he met there. And then explodes the time machine and all the time energy makes all the bad guys age super fast into dust. And so now they get to start over without the Morlocks being in the way. And that's the end of the movie. So what's different in the book? Basically everything, like I said. So um, the, the there was like no love of his life. Like basically he's having a dinner party in the book and he's like, hey guys, what if time travel was real? And they're like, that's ridiculous. And he's like, oh, but I built a model. I'm going to let you see it. Oh. And then they play with the model and they're like, oh, well, it disappeared. Maybe that's maybe that's true, but probably not. So it's like a miniature version? Yeah, exactly. Huh. And then like the next time he has a dinner party, <laughs> he shows up late and looks like he's been dragged through a field. And then he's like, hang on, let me go get changed and stuff. And I'll tell you the story. And basically, like, all of the stuff where he, like, went to, like, the near future did not happen in the book. Okay. Like, he just went 800,000 years in the future, met the Aloy, hung out for eight days, uh, made friends with someone there whose name was Weena, not Mara. Okay. I guess they thought maybe the name Weena was weird or something. Yeah. Or definitely would be made fun of. Yeah, probably. Because uh, it definitely sounds like Weenie. Yeah. Of course it does. <laughs> um. And then he, like, learns about the Morlocks and learns that, like, they eat the Aloy. And basically that, like, yes, humanity has split into two different species. But in the book, it's that, like, the people, like, the working class were the ones that, like, Mm -hmm. went underground and became the Morlocks. And the rich were the ones who became the Aloy. And then the Aloy became food for the Morlocks. Like, in the book, they're described as, like, really weak and small and like they have like no ambition at all or anything like that like they're just they have like not a lot of um constitution about them so they are literally like bread like cattle and then the morlocks just like come on up whenever they need a meal and they just grab one and they have a meal it's not like this whole thing that was in the movie of like oh they're hunted and stuff like no they just they just pop on up and take one wow so and so like the the morlocks are kind of the ruling class and they've taken a very literal sense of eat the rich. Right. I was just going to say that like HG Wells much of, must have taken eat the rich very, uh, very literally. Well, they actually do mention communism in the book. 
where hmm. he mentions that future societies might be communistic. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so at the time the book came out was... It was 1895 was the publishing date. Okay. Was communism like the Red Scare at that time or was it oh, still gosh, seen no. as like a utopian sort of thing? No, no. It was still like theoretical. This was so far off of like what eventually became our kind of modern idea of communism. It mm -hmm. was sort of theoretical. I think this was possibly pre-Karl Marx. I don't actually know Karl Marx's um, dates of right. when he lived or anything. But also, if you if you watch, uh, for instance, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, which takes place just after World War One, mm -hmm. communism is a growing idea in that era as well as right. like this is a possibility and like, hey, how about the working class and stuff? Um, so communism has been around like the whole idea for a long time. Right. So, yeah, I know there was there was a point in time where communism was like a utopian idea. Like this is an ideal for the future. We should strive towards this. Right. And then at some point it was like, oh, no, wait, communism bad. Uh, -huh. uh You know, all the attempts to implement it on a nation state scale failed pretty badly. I mean, there was a lot of corruption. There was a lot of really, really bad agricultural management. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, then it turned to communism bad. But so this was at a time where it was still like, maybe communism is good. Right. Um, but anyway, in the book, he Weena dies and he just straight leaves. Oh, and that's it. Okay. That's the book. So it's it's really just sort of a thought experiment about. Oh yeah, there's a lot of philosophizing. There's not a lot of plot. Huh. Yeah. So like, I mean, it's a very short book, right? It is. Like I said, the audio was four hours, which is extremely short for a book. Right. Right. Um. Interesting. Yeah, I, I hadn't. I never read the book, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I was curious how it would compare. Yeah, they definitely put more of a story around it for the movie, which is is good because I don't think they could make a movie off the original text. Right. Like literally, the only kind of plot devices was that like we have to get the time machine back because the Morlocks do take the time machine. Okay. So he has to get it back. That's it. Whereas in this one, they just give it back to him. Yeah, it's like okay. I'll, Get out of here now. Jeremy, Jeremy Irons is like, here's your answer, which was kind of obvious the whole time. Like, why can't you change anything? And it's because it's a paradox. Yeah. He would never have invented the time machine if she hadn't died. Exactly. So he could go back and save her. Yeah. So when he goes back. I will say, this is why I don't like time travel films. Because, uh, like, paradoxes are kind of like that, like, neener, neener, this is why you can't do the thing. What, you don't like pedantry? I no, you're no, a fan of pedantry. I, okay, I do love pedantry, don't get me wrong. But it, it's, it's such a... Uh, and I feel like they do that kind of a lot in time travel-based media, where they're like, oh, we can't go back and do the thing because of paradox. They did in Doctor Who with Amy and Rory. Go back and save Amy! Okay, that's a bad example. But, I mean, time travel stories are a lot about whatever the rules of that time travel are. There's lots of different forms of it. Mm -hmm. I like this version of time travel and that you can't change things that are at least dependent on, like, the time travel. Mm -hmm. I don't know how this movie... It didn't really address any other like if certain things you could change other things you can't change but it's kind of like that whole ripple effect thing of like if 
XYZ hadn't happened, then so-and-so would have never met this person who in turn never would have like introduced this person to this person. And therefore this important thing never would have happened. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that gets really messy really fast. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And so many time travel movies are full of loose ends and threads that don't get tied up neatly because it's a messy thing. But I, I do like that this one had sort of a limited scope of him trying to change stuff, but it showed a consistency uh-huh. in that he couldn't create a paradox. Right. I like that sort of consistency in my time travel rules. Mm-hmm. Fan of that. Okay, cool. I just, I'm not generally a huge fan of time travel stuff anyway. Like I give Doctor Who a pass because Doctor Who has very firmly established itself as like, wibbly wobbly timey wimey right we kind of just play by our own or own rules <laughs> yeah that's the sort of nothing really matters time travel we do whatever right yeah whereas i feel like movies are usually much more rule-based mm-hmm. and self-contained um and this one followed that although like i said it, it like in i wrote in my notes as soon as the first time he went to try back to go back and save her and she ended up dying again i wrote my notes i was like oh he can't create a paradox mm-hmm. that's why time won't let him do it but it takes him the rest of the movie to figure that out for himself right which i guess fair enough i've seen more time travel movies than he had so yeah i i have to say this this film like i kind of bounce off of it to be yeah. honest one because again i don't always love time travel things but also like it just it just doesn't really do anything for me. It feels like it's ticking a lot of sci-fi boxes mm-hmm. without, you know, doing much more than that. Although I will say the time-lapse scenes were very very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're like there's that time-lapse scene with like the changing fashions across the street and specifically like the ladies dresses and the hemlines keep getting higher and higher. I thought that was right. a very cool convention. I liked it a lot. I liked seeing the the near future world where like everyone's on bikes and we are living on the moon and things like that Mm -hmm. i i enjoy that sort of thing um but yeah like as far as like him living with the alloy it's fairly boilerplate to me like oh he gets rescued they take care of him of course he like falls for the basically only female character the one that gives him attention and that speaks his language. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. And then he just decides to... I mean, he didn't really decide to stay behind. He destroyed the time machine in order to save the Aloy. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, cool. That's great. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But at least it's sort of... It sort of closes the loop on... You know, he invented the time machine because he felt that like his life had been interrupted. He didn't get the happiness that he thought he deserved. So... He was working so hard to get that back and it failed and that he didn't get back. I will pick you up on this. I don't think, I don't think he's doing it for him. I think he's doing it for her because he had that whole long speech about like whose fault it was. And yes, I do think he was trying to assuage his own guilt, but Mm -hmm. I do, I do genuinely think that he was doing it for Emma because it was her life that was cut short. And I do think he was doing it, you know, so that she could get to live her life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can give him a little more credit for for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very least, it was, you know, he realized that he couldn't undo the past. Mm-hmm. But he did come to a place where he was like, okay, 
I'm in a place where I can accept that now and I am happy here and I have people around me that I can find joy with. And so he's like, okay, I don't need this time machine. Right. Which we should, kind of works. Should, you know, we haven't talked about actually though. What's that? We haven't talked about what makes this film steampunk. Sure. Yeah. We kind of got into the whole like. The meat of it. The the book compared to the movie thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Why is this on our list? Why is this a steampunk film? I have some things written down as Go far on. as what are in it. Yeah. Um, it's obviously set in the time period, actually very similar to a couple of movies ago. Uh, Jingle Jangle was sort of in like a Dickensy, mm-hmm. Dickensian, I guess you would say, time frame. Right. Um, the the men in the bowler hats and the jackets and mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, there was also an omnibus. Oh yeah, yeah. We saw that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, nice, nice callback. You remembered. I did. Yeah. Very well done. Uh, there was lots of pocket watches. He had, a- he had a vast collection of pocket watches for a, uh, I'm checking my notes here, a first year associate professor. Oh, okay. Th- that tells me that like he must come from money and he doesn't necessarily need this job. Like he's not like a struggling first year teacher. He's at a very prestigious school though. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's like one of the Ivy Leagues or something though. So maybe they just were very well paid then. It was Cornell. Cornell? Okay, yeah. yeah. So maybe he just made a lot of money because he's at an Ivy League school. No, He had like seven or eight pocket watches. And a big place that he lived at. I don't know. Yeah, they, they sort of hand wave past. He just, he has money somehow. He just has a lot of money. Yeah. Um. There was a steam-powered car. There was, and I want to mention something about that. Sure, go for so, it. So when the gent says, we perambulate here almost every night, <laughs> that to me sounds like a pickup line. <laughs> Hello. Right. Hello, I perambulate here every night if you catch my drift. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I just wrote down that was a fun word and then made sure to say it several times. Well, that's where we get the word pram, like a baby buggy. Yeah. we uh, It's from perambulate. The more you know. Fun fact. Fun word. Yes. Perambulate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the time machine itself seemed to be run on steam somehow. Yeah, it has some like good like hiss of steam sound effects and things like that. Obviously, lots of gears. Yeah. Um, and then even in the future, the, what did they call again? The underground orc people? The Morlocks. The Morlocks, yeah. They had their whole factory that he walked through. It I was, was no, like, apparently coal power is still a thing. Yeah. 800,000 years in the future. Yeah, they show one of them, like, shoveling coal into a, right. a fire. I mean, and they had, like, the big, like, turning thing that kind of ran through the tunnels and stuff. Okay, cool, sure. Like, that's... All right, let's just go with that. Yeah. So they they at least sort of kept the, the steam technology throughout. It's yeah. Kind of thematically, you know, steampunk, even in the far future. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much in the near future, but... No, that, not at all. That makes sense. Yeah. I like that everyone was on bikes in the near future, though. That was quite cool. Yeah. We, we've gotten rid of cars and we've just gone, yeah, we're just going to bike. We're just going to bike everywhere. I assume there is, like a very very fast uh mass transit somewhere that we just didn't see i just i thought it was fun that everyone was on bikes kind of funny though that you know he cuts forward to 2030 and it's basically kind of amsterdam yeah i guess but i (laughs) see maybe 
semi-utopian you've got like these ai computers who have all of human knowledge that uh-huh. anyone can access for free you've mm-hmm. got bikes everywhere like we're colonizing the moon everything's great and then just seven years later it all falls apart i want to say though because this is this is a very interesting thing about the ai besides the fact that future ais have sass his name is vox by the way and vox is performing some a plus trolling i love him he might be my favorite character in the whole film it's pretty great yeah, yeah. pretty great but this is the thing about knowledge is that like how the knowledge is presented is very powerful. Hmm. And I would not be surprised if uh, the knowledge is presented in a way to like hand wave past, like all of the various capitalist disasters from the past hmm. as they're getting ready to excavate the innards of the moon. Right. So I wonder how, like, how that AI has been loaded up with information. Mm-hmm. Like, is it just like the one side of things, whoever programmed him or whoever is funding the programming? Yeah, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the movie doesn't really get into those details. It doesn't, we don't get to live in that time frame very long. But I have questions. Right, right. Um, but yeah, to me, it's funny that sort of, Everything being great didn't last very long. Right. It didn't take long for humanity. The future to... is now. Oh, no, we blew up the moon. <laughs> right. And it's also funny to me that it's it was to, like, build a colony on the moon. They're like, yeah, we're just going to set off these explosives. It's going to be great. And like, whoops, we broke the whole thing. I will say that is not the only uh, narrative I've ever seen like that. Mm-hmm. This is this kind of I think that lava tunnels actually might already exist on the moon. And we're like aware of it because mm. in the lunar chronicles by marissa meyer uh that was a very strong thing as well where there's a lot of people living on the moon in tunnels and things like that are you sure that's real and not just part of the book story well no not sure sure not sure not sure i don't okay. i don't actually know well yeah do your own research we haven't done any <laughs> right well watch sailor moon because i think uh i think that's the thing on there definitely legit (laughs) yeah sailor moon the historical documents (laughs) yes very much um the yeah so also that the the moon blowing up thing i i think there was there was sort of a theme of anti-capitalist a bit throughout this whole film i think Mm -hmm. that early on um you know his friend is looking at all of his drawings and you know um future invention type mm-hmm. things and he's like oh do you think we'll ever take it too far and he's guy pierce's character is like no no such thing uh-huh. and then later when he sees the moon exploded and like civilization has had to reset he was like yeah you know maybe we took it too far that i mean that is very much like the classic sci-fi trope of just like you know we push sci- science fiction or we push science until we break everything yeah yeah and then, then we live in a post-apocalyptic world yep that's how it goes. Which That's I will just say, the cycle. The the cliffside city in this post apocalyptic world, eight hundred thousand years in the future, is extremely cool. You know, I love a good system. You know, I love some clever world building. Yeah, and I did really like that. We only saw it for like maybe five minutes, if that. But it was it was a very cool like little slice of this is how humans could live. Yeah, and I do like that the pulling up the boats mm-hmm. um, at night. And she was like, yeah, we don't really need to talk about why it's just safer. You could tell that like them living on side of cliffs is kind of odd too. They're like, 
ah, there's some sort of danger here you're avoiding. Right. You're not telling me about. Yeah. Um, and, and that sort of pays off kind of well, um, you know, a little bit later on. But I like that they keep it a little bit mysterious for a while. I actually didn't really like that. Really? No, well, just because, like, it felt a little... Um, it felt a little trite as to like, we're going to create mystery, but by we're going to do it just by like being like, oh no, we can't. And they, I think they kind of give the idea that it's like a cultural thing that like, we don't talk about the past or something, Mm -hmm. or like, we don't talk about those who have left us, e.g. have been taken by the Morlocks to be eaten. Exactly. Right. And that cultural things like that don't come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. there's usually some kind of thought process behind it and in this there was nothing given like that it's just like we just don't do it because that's what the plot needs yeah although i think you could kind of rationalize it as that's their way of dealing with it is just not dealing with it that <laughs> i don't know i don't maybe. think a civilization can survive like that i mean and i say that as we live in a hugely climate change or climate crisis kind of world Mm -hmm. and we're just not dealing with it (laughs) so (laughs) yeah and it's not gonna get better on its own so yeah like i just i don't see that as like a thing i don't know yeah i don't know i i did think it was a little bit a little bit odd that he was asking questions and she was just like "Eh, i'm not gonna tell you because obviously everyone else knows these things they know that the more logs exist and what the danger is Mm -hmm. But she's not telling him what the danger is. I don't know if it was because she didn't trust him yet. Maybe she expected that he was going to go back to where he came from. And so he just didn't need to know. I mean, she did try to get rid of him. When yeah, they when they were true. checking on the time machine, she's like, you should go. But you should take my brother and keep him safe. Right. But Which she, she finally let the cat out of the bag that, oh, yeah, there's something dangerous here that I haven't told you about. But, even, yeah. even like that, though, like that scene is more of or what I just find kind of like lazy writing because suddenly they hear the horns and stuff and she's like oh they're early like are they on a schedule (laughs) that's weird because in the book it was that they could not stand light like they're nocturnal or not nocturnal but they live in caves they're not used to the light and they only come out in the dark because they have evolved to have these like huge eyes and they can't stand the light and all this kind of Mm -hmm. stuff pale skin yeah, yeah yeah exactly they're actually white in the books like albino not albino um like the cave fish right that are completely white and stuff same kind of thing um yeah and even jeremy ironman jeremy irons says that in when he's explaining the whole setup it's like yeah we went underground and so we evolved underground and then we tried to come back up and we couldn't right so but they're early for the hunt it's it's still daylight out and they're fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're right. That doesn't make sense. I don't sense. love that. Like, I felt like that whole thing was not like, just like, whatever. Yeah, you're right. That's actually probably the biggest hole in the movie to me mm-hmm. that I've caught so far. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Maybe they planned on having a scene where it's at night, but it didn't work out somehow. It would make more sense to have that, just scene, have that scene at dusk or something. Right. When like the... I don't know. It's begun to fall or something like that. Because I will say like, yeah, maybe it's a cloudy day and they come out. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like that scene was just we need the scene to happen. So it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't know. Um, Yeah. We're kind of getting into like some of our favorite and not favorite things. Sure. Sure. Kind of all over the place. Who needs to follow a format? Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I think the the visuals were not super 
great and I planned out. Some, some sections were really good. Like the the time lapse stuff was really cool. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think they they spent a lot of their energy on that and on like the set design for the different time periods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're living in like the cliff houses or we're in the underground place. Um, just some of the like the transitionary stuff. Any of the action scenes were kind of clumsy. I thought a lot, a lot of shaky cam. Yeah, just like running shaky cam. Like this is action now. We're shaking the camera. I do feel like they presented Jeremy Irons as like very overpowered from the get go. Like he like telekinetically drags Guy Pierce across the floor mm-hmm. to grab his throat, but like he never really does that again. Like when they're having their fight scene. He's just punching him. He's not using any of his telekinetic yeah. powers. So, yeah. Yeah, they're just punching. Yeah. I think that's why I'm kind of like meh about this film. Like, it's fine. It's it's a film. Like, you know, I don't regret watching it. It was fine. Sure. I, but I, I just like meh. Yeah, I think it kind of hits me the same as it did before. And that's why I didn't remember a lot from it. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it was kind of interesting case study in what will civilizations look like years into the future. Yeah. And maybe exploring that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Yeah. That's the movie. Right. And yeah, they put a little bit of feeling into it with the, you know, his fiance getting getting shot and being the impetus to build the time machine mm-hmm. and the whole paradox thing. I think that makes for enough of the bones of a sci-fi story that, you know, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just the job. Agreed. You know, it's a it's a you know fairly solid movie yeah future there civilizations were... eat the rich yeah there are a few little jokes that i liked oh um that were thrown in so here, here's my little joke corner um he says something near the very beginning about how he had created a electric toothbrush yes like well before that it's time was cute and that he says about cute. it it will help people keep their teeth well into their 40s right <laughs> which is great I don't know when toothbrushing began to be a regular thing, but I could I could see that being like, hey, you guys, you see you see how we keep losing our teeth early in life? Maybe we yeah. should fix that. Yeah. And then in 2030, uh, when he walks into the library, basically, there is like a teacher escorting some kids on a field trip and one of them is misbehaving and the teacher says, I will resequence your DNA. <laughs> so help me. Right. I caught that as well. That was very good. Great. That's a great like future kid threat. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in the future, uh, she calls him a wandering idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a kind of good little like they don't. He doesn't speak their language. They don't they don't understand him. Well, Also, like she was like, where like, where do you come from? Don't lie to me and tell me fast. So he's like, well, I came from the past and I'm a time traveler. And she's like. <laughs> So you guys, right? Because of course, like if she were to relay that, it would not go down well. Yeah, and I like how just straightforward she was too. Where he was like, "What's going on?" She's like, "Oh, they're deciding whether or not to throw you in the river." Cool. Yeah, done. And he's like, "Oh, oh, okay, cool. This is serious, guy." Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a big thing. It was like, "Oh, yeah, they're they're deciding if you should live or not." Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. I actually, I really like scenes like that and like that kind of dialogue where like we're not laboring through it, like yeah no this is this is just happening like and that feels fairly like yeah like that would be an option on the table let's just get it over with yeah yeah no like some other movies would draw that out where Uh it's like he doesn't understand what they're talking about and Mm -hmm. it's all he's in the dark and it's this long drawing out thing but it's like no it's like a minute yeah yeah i appreciate that yeah 
Yeah, I like that. We too. we got over the the whole language thing because in the book too, he spends um a long time not understanding their language and then suddenly understanding their language. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> he's like, oh, it was very simplistic. I mean, it's that very typical like Victorian attitude of like, oh, we're so sophisticated and we're so like, look at these like sad people and blah, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think their workaround kind of works that it's like, oh, well, you know, we've sort of preserved English mm -hmm. as a thing that we teach kids, but we don't really use it. Right. It's sort of an antiquated, maybe like Latin is for us today. Yeah. No, I mean, kids still learn Latin in school, even though like no one actually speaks it. Yeah. I, I mean, dig it. I, I'm not sure I buy that it would be preserved in its present form for 800,000 years. It's a very long time. Although they did have another thing that I actually liked too about the set design was that little valley with all the stone tablets yeah. of things from around New York, basically. That was very cool. Yeah, I think that was a really cool visual thing, but mm -hmm. also did help explain how they preserved the language. Right. That they had it written in stone tablets. Mm -hmm. that these are English words and sentences and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I like that part of it. Any other stuff that you liked or didn't like? Um, Want to comment on? To be honest, that's that's kind of it. I kind of talked about it already as to like the stuff that I liked. It's fine. Yeah, it's a fairly fairly simple film. And it was short too. It felt very short. Yeah, I didn't clock the running time on it, but yeah, and also from my memory the first time, I thought I remembered there being more time periods uh -huh. or at least more time spent in each time period. Uh -huh. But I, and you this seems to actually follow the book that it's mostly set in the 800,000 years in the future. Right. Like that's most of the story. Mm -hmm. is in that time period and him you know learning to cope with he can't change the past or in the book's case just observing future society and being like that was cool i'm gonna go back to my dinner party right <laughs> which is kind of wild i know oh man like it is just <laughs> this is the thing that i find very funny about some of this really old literature mm -hmm. is my goodness, do they just hand wave past some stuff? Because I um I can't remember if I talked about it on this podcast or not, because I hadn't read the book 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by the time we did the podcast about it. Right. But in the end of that book, um, the main character whose name I can't remember, he like they are in a boat in a whirlpool. Him, uh, Ned Land and his assistant, mm -hmm. like they escape on a boat, get into a whirlpool, he gets knocked out while they're in the whirlpool and then he wakes up and they're all fine he's like oh i couldn't say how we escaped murp, murp. <laughs> and that's it <laughs> what a great way to hand wave like yeah. your way out of riding yourself into a corner mm -hmm. that's incredible you should use that i'm not going to do that <laughs> i have way too much self-respect for that <laughs> that's kind of amazing and i don't i don't know if it's like that was just a convention of the age because Jane Austen, who came before H.G. Wells and Jules Verne, didn't do that. Mary Shelley didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's just these two writers. Yeah. Or just what? Oh, I also like how they threw in a little bit of meta that the... Oh, there was a lot of meta. Yeah, when he was asking the AI about time travel and he was like, oh, here, here's Jules Verne and H.G. Wells. Mm -hmm. And he even said, H.G. Wells, the time machine. Right. Which is... Maybe maybe a bit much, but 
that's all right. I like yeah. that. They were having fun with it. They're like, we know what we're doing. Yeah. We're, we're self-aware here. Yeah. <laughs> this is not super sophisticated. We're having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we should give this uh, some ratings if you don't have anything else. Yeah. No. Um, it's that part of the show where we give it the ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, we will rate it on how steampunk this film is. So mm-hmm. on a scale of one to five steam engines, how steampunk is this movie, Dana? Uh, I think I'm going to give it four out of five. Because while it is very steampunky, we do also spend a good bit of time in a very non-steampunk world. So four out of five. Yeah, I think that sounds about right to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it is, you know, sprinkled throughout. It's um, here and there, like we said. There's several examples. But yeah, it's not an overwhelming theme. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think four out of five. It's more just the setting. Yeah, the setting. And there are steam-powered things here and there. Yeah. And the time machine itself is mm-hmm. steam-powered. Presumably. Somehow. Yeah, presumably. Yeah. We never see him like refilling a water tank or anything, but whatever, it's fine. I mean, there were some some pretty glowy lights, which suggests some other kind of power source, but that's okay. Mm. Yeah. Who knows? Something, I mean, something magic, hand waving. Yeah. He made it work. Pretty much, yeah. Which, of course, that's not really the important part. Yeah, no, it's it's really not. Um, yeah. So then, also, we will rate this movie uh, not according to any sort of critic standards because we're not movie critics we are just people who watch movies and so we're gonna rate it based on how much we enjoyed it so dana on a scale of one to five gears how much did you enjoy this film um like i said i I kind of bounced off of it both the first time i saw it in high school and and now i'm gonna give it like three three out of five like it's it's a solid sci-fi film it's fine it's pretty it didn't it didn't like you know it didn't do me wrong too much really so it's fine Yeah. yeah Actually, I was uh, I was gonna land right about the same place, so um, I, I'm gonna give it uh, my scale is on top hats, one to five, so three top hats for me. Yeah, excellent. I I didn't not like it. It was enjoyable enough, and it was short, so mm-hmm. we we were in and out, and we we had a, a fun little jaunt through time, a hundred thousand years in the future. What's that? Uh, who are the two guys from from uh, the Muppets? Stadler and oh, uh, Sattler and Waldorf. Yeah, Sattler and Waldorf. It was short. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or like uh, or like our main character in the beginning of the movie when um, the Emma gets a hat. She's like, "Isn't it silly?" And he was like, "It's very silly. I love it." <laughs> oh, that was yeah. That's fine. I thought that was a good line. Yeah, it's fine. Well, it 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 didn't it didn't really do much for me. Well, on that ringing endorsement (laughs) i think it's about all we have for this episode thank you so much for listening thank you friends yes thanks for hanging out with us um if you're listening to this and you liked it please leave us a review on uh whatever platform you listen please give us a five-star review and some glowing remarks if you please we would appreciate it um or not glowing remarks if you hate it that's okay too it's just having the reviews no no but give us glowing remarks please in the review And uh, if you have any comments, though, negative or positive, whatever, you can tweet them at us uh, at SteamPoweredPod on Twitter. Uh, Also, if you have any movie suggestions, any steampunk films that we have not covered yet that you think we should, please tweet it at us at SteamPoweredPod and let us know if we cover a movie that you suggest. We'll give you a shout out on that episode. Um, so please do that. Any other information you want about us, you can go to steampoweredmovies.com and please join us again next time for the next episode. Thank you again. Have a great day. Bye.
Goodbye. Goodbye.